0: Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or co-worker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm delighted that you're here If you have returned because you've heard something of value before, you're so welcome. And if you're new, I'm delighted that you've found me. So tonight we're going to be talking about something you may not have had a word for. You've certainly felt what it's all about, but you may not have had the word for it. So we're going to be talking about how to handle the emotional abuse of microaggressions using the PWR response that I've developed. So we're going to talk about these microaggressions and find out exactly what that is and how it's impacting you on a regular, maybe even daily basis, because that can be very, very difficult. So I'm glad you're here at Save Your Sanity Podcast, and if you'd like to support the work, you are welcome to go to com and hear more episodes, and if you'd like to support it monetarily, you can go to Patreon.com slash Save your sanity patreon.com slash save your sanity. There you can offer a dollar or five dollars whatever you like on a one-time or monthly basis to defray the cost of bringing the show to you. So that's there for you. And if by chance you're listening and you think, I'd really like to talk to Dr. Shaler, you can do that. I have a new client one-time offer at beaclient.com. So let's get that out of the way and let us talk about microaggressions. And these are words and behaviors, looks, gestures that they feel like an attack. But most healthy people... When they feel that, they think, oh, no, that couldn't have been it. These are the giving people. These are the people who leave room for doubt, give you the benefit of the doubt, go the extra mile with you, you know, healthy, responsive people. So it feels like an attack. And so maybe you justify or rationalize it, maybe even make an excuse for it. But when it starts to be frequent... When it is happening in various ways, maybe, but little jabs here and there, put-downs, tear-downs, then these microaggressions add up. So I went to the Cambridge Dictionary to find out what they said a microaggression was. And it says a small act or remark that makes someone feel insulted or treated badly and can be combined with other similar acts and remarks that, over time, cause emotional harm. So that's very general. So I thought, how can we take that apart? And what are these things designed to do? What? What are they? How are they trying to get under your skin? What's really going on? So, the small act remark that makes someone feel insulted or treated badly that can combine with other similar acts or remarks over time to cause emotional harm. So what do those actually look like? Well, one of them, oops, one of them is control. That they want to are designed to exert some control. You know, that could be that sideward glance. Do you ever have a mom who gave you the side eye, like, what do you think you're doing over there? Or that look where they go black eyed and you know that you're in trouble. These are microaggressions and they're designed to control you. They also can be designed to manipulate you. So the look is, if you don't do it my way, if you don't agree with me, you're in trouble. And so a microaggression can show up that way. One thing for sure they're going to do is erode your self-confidence. Because over time, you start being on edge. Is there going to be a microaggression coming my way? Do I have to get my exercise by walking on eggshells? Do I need to be hypervigilant? Do I need to be second-guessing everything that I do? Because the idea is to erode your self-confidence. They want to make you dependent on them and they want to tell you who you are. And so they will tell you things that are not at all true, but. They are intended to erode your self-confidence, and that happens a lot when you're with a hijackal. For those people who are new, hijackal is my trademark term for people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. And so hijackals like to erode your self-confidence because it feels, they think it puts them at the top of the pile and puts you down lower. And they like to do that frequently. The idea then is to diminish your self-worth so that you start believing what they're saying is wrong with you. And that's where we fall short often because if you're in a relationship with someone and you think that perhaps you're sharing, perhaps you're vulnerable, perhaps you've been able to be vulnerable, you've been truthful, you've been honest, you've shared some things, and then they use it against you to diminish your self-worth. And these are things we've talked about before in other episodes. But in microaggression, they're just doing these little jabs, these little put-downs, these little looks, Um, you know, that little chin-out kind of look that is a control look. It's a microaggression. They also want to subdue you. They want you to be walking on those eggshells so that they can keep you careful all the time, always trying to figure out the lay of the land, always trying to say, am I safe? And hopefully you won't take too much risk. That's what they're thinking. They don't get too far out of line there. Let me get you back. You know, narcissistic hijackal parents are like that. Abusive parents are like that, you know. <clears throat> I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. You know, micro, that's pretty obvious, not much of a microaggression, but it certainly is aggressive. So they want to subdue you. They want to get you under their control to have you stop thinking for yourself and adopt their view of you. And that's very dangerous because their view is definitely slanted in favor of themselves. So they want to be on top of that hill and they want you to be under it, not just at the bottom of it, but under it. Therefore, that need to dominate, that need to be the top dog in the relationship, that need to be the one who is the arbiter of what is right, what is accurate, and what will happen. And so microaggressions can Help with that in their quest to dominate and control you. And of course, the eventual result is it will exhaust you and leave you with nothing to come back with. At which point, then they complain that you're no fun, uh, but they've taken everything from you, they've taken everything out of you, you've given all that you have, and none of it has been well received. None of it certainly has been. None of the good stuff has been reciprocated, except when they really want something. So these microaggressions, it's the little bits every day, the the tiny ways in which they do things, the things that they say, the things they don't say, the things they refuse to say, the ways they won't validate you, but the snide ways that they will invalidate you. And they particularly like to use these microaggressions in public right? In public where they think they can get away with it. They think they can say something to you and you won't be willing or able to response. They think they can get away with it. And that's really, really nasty. Because they think, oh, well, you're going to behave with some decorum and you're not going to confront them in the moment. So in the, in public, it's a way to make slights. And you know, they'll say something offhand to you and it hurts you. The microaggression lands. It hurts you. And yet you don't know whether you should speak up or not. And if you do speak up and you say, Oh, that hurt, they'll say, Oh, I was just joking, or you're too sensitive, or can't you take a joke, and they will make it your fault. And that's why they're called microaggressions, because they don't make a big to-do. It's just a lot of little pins being stuck in you over and over and over and over. And every time a pin is stuck in you, you bleed. And pretty soon, you're little short on blood. Nothing big major, no artery cut, just constant, constant pricks and pokes that takes you down and wears you down. So very, very difficult. And... They're kind of different than insults or insensitive comments or generally jerky behavior that people can engage in occasionally because they're not occasional. They're painful and they're frequent and hijackals love to employ them. They love to use them. It's part of their vocabulary. It's part of their repertoire. It's part of their arsenal and they use them with aplomb and it's really hard. It's really hard on you because you don't know whether to step up and say something or whether it's too small to comment on. That's what they're counting on that. You're going to think, Oh, well that was just small. It was just not worthy of a response, but because they build up over time, It is worthy of a response, and I'm going to help you know how to respond to it after we really explore what these microaggressions sound like and look like. And and a hijackal has marginalized you. You know, they have endeavored to... Get you away from family and friends and depend on them. And they may, they may have done the big thing, you know, the big romantic thing. Um, we're getting married, so let's move to a new city, state, or country and let's start fresh and let's have all this. But when you're with a hijackle, if you go for that, you will soon find that you've been isolated and marginalized away so that they have access to you and control over you. And so the hijacker has already marginalized you, if only, and I don't mean to make light of it, but as opposed to all the ways they could have could have marginalized you, if only in the way that they have marginalized you emotionally because you're second-guessing yourself. And once you start to second-guess yourself, you know, should I be hurt by that? Is that that what they really mean? By the time you've had those thought processes that microaggression may have gone by and you haven't done anything with it, but it's the everyday microaggressions like the slights and the indignities and the put-downs and the offhand remarks and the blindsiding remarks and the looks, you know, the side-eye, the black eyes, the the hijackle smirk of contempt that I've talked about in other episodes. All of those things are microaggressions. And when you start to realize they have a name and they are intended to be small, so you won't call them out, I hope you'll become more aware of what is happening and see them for what they are. Because as we go on with today's episode, I will give you ways to respond to them. Uh, really, microaggression is psychological warfare, and microaggressions are weaponizing their anger. Mic- microaggressions are weaponizing their their desire to win, and they will grab anything they can to beat you down. So, it's really important to to recognize those. So, you know, after the podcast today, maybe take a few minutes to say. Are all the small ways, all the frequent but small questionable ways, the offhand ways that the hijacker gets to me? Just be kind of taking stock on that because microaggressions intentionally communicate um, hostility. And sarcasm falls into that category. I think sarcasm is the lowest form of anger and it's wielded like a weapon often. And you know, people make sarcastic remarks and then when you're upset with them, then they come back with that same line, oh, I was just kidding, or your skin is too thin, or um, you should know better than that. And it always comes back to the blame shifting and comes around to be your fault, right? But know that microaggressions are intentionally intended to communicate hostility. They do not plan to do the microaggressions, but it's how they communicate hostility. And they may not not be intentionally saying, I'm going to be hostile right now, but they intend to make you small and keep you small and put you down. And then there's a secondary part called micro invalidation. And micro invalidation are where they deny your feelings and your thoughts and your experiences. They just deny them like who cares what you think or you're absolutely wrong or you don't think that or that one horrible thing that I remind you of frequently. If anybody ever says to you these words, know that it's time to think about them differently and see them in the rearview mirror when they say, I know you better than you know yourself. That is just the hugest, hugest, hugest red flag. If someone ever says to you, I know you better than you know yourself. No, that is not true. Now, you may know that you need to know yourself better or you need to have some clarity, but they're in the business of taking that clarity away by creating uncertainty and chaos. So then when they say something like that, I know you better than you know yourself, they've worn you down and you might start thinking maybe they do. Don't think that. No, resist that. They do not know you better than yourself. You know yourself and you deserve your time and energy to know yourself better, to speak out about yourself, to speak up for yourself. Those are very important things because these microaggressions and microinvalidations, these are like I was talking about last week when I was talking about emotional brainwashing. These are like the drip, drip, drip of water torture, You know, one drop doesn't mean too much. Two drops might mean too much. But by the time you get to seven, eight, ten drops, you are beginning to feel the pain. You are beginning to feel what's happening. And after you've had a hundred or a hundred thousand of them, it has eroded you. It has just eroded you. And the good news is you can come back from that. And I'm always here to help, you know, if you ever want my help just use the new client um, link at beaclient.com and you can have my help. But, you know, what's important is to understand that this is psychological warfare and it's also abuse. It is emotional abuse. It is psychological abuse. And it, once you start seeing these things as what they really are, then you can begin to see how frequently they happen and get some clarity around that. It's so important. So that's what's up with microaggressions and microinvalidations. But what do you do about them? So in my book, Kaizen for Couples, I talk about a technique called the Personal Weather Report, the PWR. And how does the personal weather report apply here? Well, in Kaizen for Couples, I talk in two chapters, one about how to give a personal weather report in Chapter 6 and in Chapter 7, how to respond to a personal weather report that book is for people who have an opportunity to create a healthy relationship even when it's gone sideways for a bit. But all the techniques in there are ones you want to have in your toolbox. So go over to Amazon and and you can find Kaizen for Couples. And it's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N, Kaizen for Couples. Or if you happen to be Canadian as I am, Kaizen for Couples. Uh, K-A-I-Z-E-N, and you can find it uh, in print or as a download at Amazon. But in there, I talk about the personal weather report, and this is a very important response to master, really important. So let me explain what it is. Um, Because it it, it brings you to be able to affirm yourself and that's important. So the personal weather report is based in this, that you honestly come to a place where you know that you deserve to take up space and draw breath. And that's not simple. You know, if you come from a hijacko family, had a hijackal parent, you've been in a previous hijacko relationship, or you're in one now, you may have lost sight of the fact that you have the right to take up space and draw breath because people have been trying to marginalize you. So first of all, you have to get clear that you do deserve to take up space and draw breath. And because you do, you then have the right to say what you think, feel need, want, prefer, remember, as long as you do not mention another human by name or pronoun. So you're not talking about anybody else. You're giving a weather report of what's going on within you. And that is not as easy as it sounds. Many people say, oh, yeah, I get that. And then when they start to practice, they realize it's not easy because we say you a lot, or we we refer to the other person, we refer to other people. And that is not something we're an expert on. On other people, we're an expert on ourselves. So learning to give a personal weather report is generally a fabulous thing to do for all people so that you can have healthy interactions and feel good and strong within yourself. But to be able to do it in a situation where you're experiencing a microaggression or a microinvalidation. Now you know what they are. So now how do you do this? Well, you have a right to assert yourself. And as I said, you have the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want, prefer, remember, as long as you don't mention another human by name or pronoun. And that's assertiveness, To just know you have the right to take up space, therefore you can say, here's what's going on with me, and then refrain from talking about anybody else. So you have that right. And when you deliver a personal weather report, it has to be neutral and genuine, because you're talking about yourself, not about anybody else. So somebody says something that's uh, microaggression, like, oh, well, you know, you always look tired. And you might say, well, some days I do, some days I don't. Today I'm not feeling tired. That's a personal weather report. You see, you didn't say anything about how dare you don't talk to me like that. None of that went on. <laughs> you just simply gave a personal weather report. And I have a video on the YouTube channel for relationship help. I have videos on the personal weather report as well as it being in Kaizen for couples. So. You have that right to speak up and to be able to say, you know, sometimes I'm tired, sometimes I'm not tired, but right now I don't feel tired and I don't think I look tired. That's your opinion. That's your right. Maybe you're not ready to say those things out loud. I I could just about hear the wheels turning for someone listening saying, oh, well, I got to speak up at that point. Maybe you want to practice in your head. Giving that personal weather report when you hear the microaggressions, and then begin to give them voice when you know that you can do it neutrally and genuinely because you're speaking only about yourself. And as you do that, as you say those things, you're affirming yourself. You are actually saying, I exist. And here's what I think, and here's what I feel, and here's what I want. And here's what's going on inside me. Here's my process. So instead of saying to someone, you're being disrespectful, and it may sound like, you know, not a big difference, but it's hugely different in intent. You can say, I feel disrespected right now. Because that's going on within you. And if they can say, are you telling me I'm disrespectful? No, I'm just telling you, I feel disrespected right now. And you have to own it. Absolutely own it. And after you've been depressed and put down and worn down and torn down and you're exhausted, that may be the first thing that you can start to do is just, ah, there's a microaggression. It's not true. And then you practice in your head with the PWR response no, actually, if that's not true. What's true for me is this. And then you may come to the place of saying something and saying it out loud. And then you begin to affirm yourself and say, mm, I'm not going to have this and I'm not going to take this without at least meeting it with some energy of honesty from within myself. So this becomes a way that you bring yourself back to wholeness that you don't allow the blow to come and you feel smaller you meet it and you know I feel strongly that now and now and again and in the appropriate places we have to learn to turn on our Teflon you know these people these hijackers these people who want power over are going to use words and actions and gestures um, to hurt you. But if you observe that hijack call and say, all right, I know this about you, that's what you're going to do, and I'm not going to take it personally any longer, I'm going to turn on my Teflon, and it's going to slide off me. I am no longer going to be hurt by what you say, because what you say is not accurate about the, the truth for me. So I am not going to agree with you, and I am going to stand my ground and say what is true for me. Now, it might take some gumption, as I said, and you might be practicing in your head for a while, but it's very powerful. So start affirming internally and work up to doing it verbally, actually giving voice to it, quietly, neutrally, and authentically. And that will make a big difference. But then you have to keep at it. You, you can't just stop because they're not going to like it. You know, what? No, I told you how it is. No, actually, that's not true for me. They're not going to like it. But you're not doing it to be in their face. You're doing it to bring yourself back to wholeness. And it's so very, very important. Because microaggressions and microinvalidations are toxic. And they're accumulative. They build up over time, and that is not healthy. It's not a healthy environment for you to be in. It's not a healthy environment for your children to be in, not a healthy environment for your children to be witnessing. So it it becomes very important for you to consider that you need to respond or prepare to respond to microaggressions. Now, if tonight is the first time that you've actually thought about all those little things as microaggressions, I hope you will continue to think about that. And again, with the microinvalidations, the tiny ways that they they pull at you, they, they tear at you, that they want to um, take a piece from you, that they want to make you bleed a little bit, just over and over and over and over. And it's depleting and it's demoralizing, and it's diminishing, it's discounting, and it's denying your feelings. And that's a micro-invalidation. So I hope that this makes ultimate sense to you, and you will begin to use the personal weather report in order to begin affirming inside what you really think and feel, and then beginning to give it voice. And again, that caveat, they're not going to like it. Don't expect them to like it or be grateful for it. They don't want to. They want to be that hit and run. They want to hit you with it and then run. They do not want you to say something back. So don't be surprised if they get a little angry or a little, who do you think you are? Um, But you're taking back your space. You're taking back what is accurately yours. So do that. Really do that. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I hope this has been useful to you. You know, you can find me at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationshiphelp.com. You'll find my blog there. You'll find the membership site there, the support circles there. You'll find the podcast there. You'll find videos there, articles. Everything is there for you, including my checklists, my relationship checklists, so just click on free checklist when you go to forrelationshiphelp.com. And until we talk again, take very good care of yourself because you matter and you will not any further tolerate microaggressions and micro validations without having internal dialogue to say, mm, that's not true about me. And I wish you well with getting up to speed with being able to say that out loud. Take good care. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.